Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Oh my gosh, guess what guys? Today is Sunday, June 28th, 2020. June is just about out of here and guess what? July is around the corner and July is National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. Oh my gosh, clap it up. So this episode is perfect for sliding into July. Hey, 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 hey guys, it's time for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Delvina. Are you ready to take the couch? Come and join me on the couch. Uh, This episode, I'm talking with the president and the CEO of the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce, Mr. Gordon Eric Knowles, and also the mayor of Opalaco, who is actually the minority and small business enterprise manager for the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce, Mayor Matthew Pajat. I hope I said that correctly. Please forgive me, Matthew, if I did not. Um, We were discussing uh, strategies for maintaining mental health as business owners during COVID-19, and I wanted to play it back here. This is a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago so that we could talk about um, sort of the climate of um, our country, not just locally. When you say pandemics, I think COVID-19, and I also think of systemic racism, as does um, the chamber. And so this was a very hearty conversation about not just the strategies to maintain during during COVID-19, but also to take a look at our history as a people, as a community, um, and just sort of run through our timeline and um, review, you know, how did we land where we are today? How did the 16th century, going through all these these centuries, how did we arrive at today? What are we doing? What have we noticed in our history? Um, what were some of the disparities, not just in healthcare, but also financially, um, also when it comes to real estate and money overall, because these are things that are affecting our businesses today. So during this session, I recalled... Um, for the chamber and also for for our audience, the history in America dating back to the 16th century and how these things have affected our communities throughout the four centuries. So listen as we have this very engaging dialogue about money and minority business owners and what's happening with COVID-19 and how we can kind of motivate ourselves and um, and just get through this, just um, cope and have a, a processing session and um, just help one another so we can maintain and, and also improve in our businesses. Um, there is a question and answer session in here. Besides the history, we do go into a lot of other things, and there's some solutions as well. We did not just highlight problems, but we talked about ways to address a lot of a lot of what we've been seeing with COVID-19 and the systemic racism. So take the couch and I know this one's a long one. It's about an hour and eight minutes, but you won't regret it. So maybe listen in three parts, you know, 
do 20 minutes on your way to work, 20 minutes during lunch, and maybe 20 minutes going home. You know, I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And remember, brain love. We're here from my good friend, Dr. Delvina Thomas. And how are you this morning, Doc? I am Peachy Keen. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for inviting me to come on and share some pearls and just um, have a, a great engaging dialogue like we do, like we have been at four o'clock, sharing information and helping people to be great and to be the, the, their best selves and to feel content and happy and, you know, all of this, although COVID-19 is happening right now. Mm-hmm. COVID-19, uh, police brutality, people dying, there's yeah. a lot going yeah. on. You know, exactly, and that was one of the things I was saying. Here we are dealing with COVID-19, and then our community is dealing with the issues of police brutality. So, um, and obviously what's happening in, in Minneapolis right now, it, there's a lot of stress on on our community uh, in general, uh, the black community, whether it's the business community, whether it's, it's our community as a whole. So I'm going to step back and let you and Matthew navigate through this and I'll jump in. We're, 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 I'll get in where I fit in, as they say. <laughs> I, I want you to do that. I want you to do that. Um, and so, you know, the things, the event that happened recently um, with this gentleman who was murdered, I, I'll have to say I did make some changes to my presentation because Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce, um, as we all know, it is a, um, I mean, it's open to everyone. However, there is exact and specific representation for minorities, for Blacks, for Islanders, for African Americans. And so it's important to Day, as we're talking about mental health and entrepreneurs and small business owners and business, that we have to include a lot of these things that are from our history, um, a lot of these influencing factors, because these things play out in your businesses. They play out for you as employees, as staff members. And so uh, allow me to just, just sort of set the agenda so people know that what we're doing today, what type of um, presentation this will involve. Um, as entrepreneurs, we pride ourselves on being self-sufficient, being creative, um, having the ability to bounce back, to make more with less, to be resilient. We know that with some of the studies, a lot of the studies that half the people who start a business or a company, they have some sort of mental health problem. And really it stems from stress because there's a lot of um, unknown when you're an entrepreneur, when you have a business. There are a lot of things that happen unexpectedly. And oftentimes, not just in the beginning of that startup or having a business, some business owners and entrepreneurs still have one third of them lifetime of mental illness or mental health problems. So being mindful of mental health is essential in your business. And so um, this is perfect. Miami Day Chamber of Commerce, Eric knows and Matthew that you guys and your staff have thought to help and ending the stigma so we can have this conversation now doc, doc let, me, let me like i said i'm gonna jump in where i fit in at least and <laughs> yeah that's what know. he say he said i'm gonna fall back but then he'll jump on it go ahead so, so, listen allow me to say this first i have a whole agenda to present so we're gonna uh, okay. get everything and i'm gonna, I'm gonna allow you to do that back. but you know we talk about 
the fact that you know the COVID, 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 I can't say COVID, COVID nineteen mm -hmm. is a pandemic. But the reality is, Black America has been facing a pandemic since sixteen nineteen. Mm. Since the fifteen hundreds, sir. Mm. Okay. And I will show you. I will show you in my in my slides since the fifteen hundreds. So, so so we're on the same page. We are. We are. So 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 take it so take so take it from there. So you like you said from the fifteen hundreds. So let's take it from there. And let's let's bring it to 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 today. Gotcha. Okay. So today you will hear some of our history, African American history, and why we do have the disparities that we do, and how these things manifest in our businesses. You'll. You'll hear a little bit about COVID-19, how it has exacerbated some of the mental health problems that we already have because of our history dating back to the 16th century. You'll also hear about, okay, so after COVID-19, what do we do now to help our employees? Because it's, it's important to have your businesses, you have to have that support there. You got to be cognizant of their mental wellness. We also have to talk about mental health in the workplace. How do we continue to support that? And I want to give you guys the basic recommendations and considerations, but I also want to leave you with some very specific considerations for entrepreneurs and business owners. So we know that African-Americans are 20% more likely to have serious psychological distress than whites, than the majority. Our depressive episodes are more disabling, they're more persistent, they're more resistant than whites. And the reason being is that we have to um, endure racial traumas and minority stress that other populations do not. So allow me to present to you the first. Let's see, presentation, which is what you were saying, Eric. I need your eyes on the screen, my dear. Yes, so, ma'am. I was inviting folks, making sure we got folks coming in. Nice one. So check this out. We've had 450 years of inequality and only 50 years to recover. Let me say that again. On my timeline, you see the transatlantic slave trade began somewhere around 1500. We've had 450 years of inequality and only 50 years to recover. There's a legacy of limitations. Whites were buying property. They were building houses. They were receiving education when we were not. They were starting businesses while people of color were denied all of these things for almost 400 years. 400 years. So then came along the 13th Amendment, but it didn't stop there because we had Jim Crow laws. So we were still limited in our abilities to try to receive loans, open businesses, attain or acquire property. We had civil rights. And so we really were behind because the majority had a 400 year head start. Slavery was out loud in 1865, but white people already had the land, the education, the business, the connections and the power. They had everything that we didn't for 400 plus years. So Jim Crow, we were free, but we were not equal because Jim Crow laws, they perpetuated this head start by making it legal to treat people of color unfairly and to keep us at a disadvantage. 
And some of these, still, these things still play out today. We have barriers in all domains where typically in the lowest SES, socioeconomic status, and we've been kept there by discriminatory laws, unfair treatment and the justice system, the disparities there, and unscrupulous housing practices. These things have created generational effects. You hear people talk about generational curses and breaking curses. So a lot of that has to do with the emotional traumas that, that were created um, from slavery, post-slavery, but also because of the challenges that we had during this 400 years of not receiving equal access to what we need to live. So Blacks are less likely to learn about handling finances. We're trying to overcome that. We have organizations like the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce to help us with that. We have the VPN. Um, we have to find ways to reduce our taxes because typically those are not things that, that's not information shared with us. So we may be paying higher taxes in comparison to the majority because we just haven't had access to that information. Seeking higher education, I think we've really, um, we've, we've actually probably resolved that issue. We're very educated as a people. Getting good, good nutrition, we're working on that. We've been sharing information and educating one another on, you know, diet and exercise and the importance of um, eating healthy and what things to eat and why. And then so there's the other barrier of obtaining health insurance and life insurance. For the longest time, a lot of Black folks would not have life insurance. And so you and I and Matt, you guys know, life insurance is one of those things that has um, created opportunities for the majority, right? Because if your father leaves you, Trump is an example of um, some generational wealth also. Um, some folks, they have created gener generational wealth because of life insurance plans. If your father or your mother leaves you $100,000, $200,000, $250,000, half a million dollars, a million dollars, you know, depending on Tax your plan. Free. Pardon? Tax-free. Tax-free. There's a lot you can do with that money. So people have to understand. I, you know, some people say, well, I'm not going to be here anymore. What's the point of me getting that money? And it's not just about paying for your funeral. It's about allowing them to take that money and open a business, buy a business, buy some property, buy some real estate. So life insurance is essential for those means. Now, let's talk about enduring the socioeconomic impact. People have heard of redlining. Most black folk have heard of redlining, yep. right? This is what causes the disparity or limits black folks from certain housing. We have a history, like I said, of being denied loans. Now that comes into play today. We've been talking about PPP. How many black owned businesses have really uh, gotten access to that money? And so, you know, we, we were on a call the other day and on that call, someone mentioned, well, they don't know what the applicants look like. They don't know if they're a minority or not, or what your race is because it's not on the application. You and I both know, all of us know when folks, are racist or when they don't want to share with a minority, they will go the extent of finding out what you look like. And now everything is on the internet. Everything is out there on Google. You can Google someone's name, pictures pop up everywhere. Go on LinkedIn, picture pops up. So if there's an agenda to deny and limit, they will and they have the access to do that, whether they ask you on the application or not. We've been denied loans, we've been de denied housing and jobs and advancement. Um, role models, protection. We see that with Ahmad Arbery. We have no protection. Those guys killed him. No one came to his defense. They were not arrested for months. The other day, 
Mr. George Floyd, we have no protection. And I won't waste the time to speak personally about my own experience with police officers recently. We have no protection. I called 911 on a police officer. They came, but they came to help the police officer who was mistreating me. So we have a basis. We have reasons for the emotional stress and the trauma. Our baseline of mental wellness is not where the majority where theirs hangs out. Ours is somewhere different. We're already starting off with anxieties and hypervigilance and feeling um, insecure because of what happens in America. Now, I won't go into the GI Bill, but that's another area, Eric, you and I, pardon? Thank you, Tata Thomas. You, you, you're healing me with these words coming from a psychologist. Like, Thank you for showing the, the history that's behind where we are today. It's just, thank, I'm just so thankful. Thank you. Just keep going. I'm sorry. We have, we I'm have to do this. Got it. Yeah, it's okay. We have to do this so we can understand why are we where we are today? Why is today happening? And so, Eric, the GI Bill, you are a veteran. You are in the Army. There were disparities with the GI Bill. African, African Americans did not benefit nearly as much as white Americans from the GI Bill. It was deliberately designed to accommodate Jim Crow. A lot of people don't know that. Now, we won't hang out on this slide too much, but the reason why I wanted to include this is because, yes, we have disparities in health and health care. African-Americans still have higher rates of strokes, diabetes, high blood pressure, hypertension, heart disease, sexual molestation, and child abuse. Now, what does this mean to you as a business owner? As a business owner, all of my staff are minorities. So you have to be aware of the potential um, conditions of your staff because that means if they have to take off because of being sick or going to a doctor's appointment, they may not be as productive as you want them to be. So this is a possibility that some of your employees or even you as a business owner, that you may be enduring some of these things. We have these disparities. Um, black children, some of your staff might have kids who have asthma. They're 500% more likely to die from an asthma attack than white children. And then we see some of the other disparities there. Doctors spend less time with African-Americans than their white counterparts. Now check this out. When George Floyd was murdered, EMS showed up on the scene, first responders showed up on the scene and did not do their job at all. They did not render first aid the way that they were supposed to. They did everything wrong for this young man who was actually dead on the scene. They say he was dead on arrival to the hospital. He was dead on the scene. Now, a lot of that, the reason why they didn't render care for him, I believe is because he was brown, African-American. We see that all the time, the disparity. So here we are. These are the enduring psychological, um, this is the enduring psychological impact. This is based on everything that I just showed you. So I think I've proven to you that there's a reason, there's a basis for higher rates of mental illness or more debilitating types of depressive occurrences in our people and why mental health awareness is important for us as business owners, not just for ourselves, but also for our employees, our staff and how it affects them. We need to be aware. What are some of the symptoms that can arise? What can happen? What are some of the signs that can occur? Because we've already been set up for some of this. A lot of us probably have PTSD. Now with COVID, we see that, um, so I just showed you prior to COVID that Black Americans, African Americans, Islanders, Black minorities, that we were already enduring certain types of mental health disturbances. 
because of our history, because of the way we have to live in America. But then you compound that with COVID-19 and we see that people have anxiety, they have worry, they have fear. And as we're opening back up, those things are not dissipating. People are more frightened because now there's this concern that, hey, there will be another wave in July and more people will die. Or that in September, it'll come back and it'll be more ravishing than before. Um, and then there's a concern about folks not adhering to the practices that have been recommended by the specialists and by the government. And that's to wear your mask and um, to social distance. People aren't doing that. So our anxieties and our fears are not, um, they are justified. They're not, they're, they're warranted. So people have another higher level of mental health dis disturbance because of COVID-19. And we see with COVID-19, there's been increases in domestic violence, that we've had more drug abuse, some more alcohol abuse. So these are things to be aware of, business owners, as you're opening your businesses and your employees are coming back to work. How did they do during the last three months, the last four months? Prior to COVID, we needed to be aware of our employees' state of mind, but now it's even more essential. And so one of the things, and I'll give other recommendations at the end, but one of the things right now that I have to interject is this. When, you're, when you open your business and people come back to work, have a huddle, have a team meeting, do some processing. If you need to bring a neutral party in, someone, a third party in to help you with that, have someone to moderate that meeting. Have a huddle with your staff so people can just talk to one another and share what has been going on with them during these last three months, two months, four months. And so hopefully, while people were on this stay-at-home order, while we were uh, voluntarily uh, quarantining, you were communicating with your staff, you were communicating with your, um, the members of your, your business family to just sort of keep their spirits up, to keep them abreast of things, to let them know that things would be okay. Hopefully that was happening. So the processing when they come back to work, when you open, that should go smoothly. Um, so what I'm saying to you is now after COVID-19, we're still in COVID-19, but employees and staff, they need us even more than before because of all the challenges that they have had at home and because of being in, living in fear for these last several weeks. Mental health in the workplace is important. And so we got to address it now. The next thing, let's talk about improving your team's mental well-being. How do we do that? So every organization is impacted by employees who struggle with mental health concerns. Each and every organization, every organization, nonprofit, for-profit, um, sporting teams, entertainment venues, restaurants, wherever, medical offices, practices, schools, every organization is impacted by employees struggling with mental health concerns. The police departments, the fire departments, mental illness is a leading cause of disability in the United States for people ages 15 to 44. All right, depending on what studies you review, some say one in five have a mental health disorder in a given year, some say one in four. We know that anxiety is the most common followed by depression, and sometimes they co-mingle and they, they occur together. Over 25% of adults will have some form of mental illness, but only 
or less than will seek treatment. So this is another reason why as business owners, as managers, as supervisors, as coworkers, we should be aware that people are probably struggling with a mental health problem and they're not getting treatment or they're not saying anything about it. Thank God we haven't had um, any of these circumstances or situations where an employee goes into um, the office and shoots up everyone, but you know, that was happening. I won't say it was sort of frequently. It seemed to occur more than usual a, a couple of years ago. Um, it was the post office, but then also um, the young man in Virginia who went into um, the workplace of his girlfriend um, and killed or not even, I don't even think she was his girlfriend, but he um, killed her and shot up some other people in there. So, and people always ask, well, how will we know if someone is mentally disturbed? How, how would we know that? So you got to make the assumption that everyone is struggling and dealing with something. That is an okay time to make an assumption because everyone has a problem that they're dealing with. It's, it's just a given. The world is not, it's, life isn't easy. It ain't fair to all of us. So you know there's something going on, whether it's with dealing with their kids, with their spouse, or their significant other, with dating, with themselves, the low self-esteem. And it's a lot of things. Financially, commonly the issues also are rooted in financial issues. And now with COVID-19, it's more significant than before. Those things have been exacerbated because people have lost jobs. Um, maybe your employee, they were still working and receiving a paycheck, but their husband or their wife was laid off from work. So now instead of having two incomes, they have only one. So there are a lot of considerations here. Problems with mental well-being impact workplaces in numerous ways, including workdays lost. So this is very relevant to business owners and entrepreneurs, because if you're, your staff, if your employees, if they're suffering from mental health problems, they're missing a lot of days from work. Disability FMLA is allowable for someone who has a mental health problem. There's low morale and also increased healthcare costs. Most organizations turn a blind eye. They don't do anything about it. They're not engaging it. They're not talking to their employees about it. They're uncomfortable talking about it. They, as supervisors or managers, they're not um, sharing that they themselves are struggling, struggling a little bit. Hey, you know, I'm feeling on edge a little today because I saw something that was very disturbing on yesterday. Or, yeah, I've been anxious because we're not receiving any income and you know, I haven't um, received an approval for this PPP so that I can try to pay you guys so that you have some income. So we kind of have to have that commun open communication and be somewhat transparent so that people understand what's going on. Nearly three quarters of workers say that their employers champion um, mental well-being in the workplace. So this is important to employees, um, as important as equal equality, sustainability, and diversity. People now are very mindful about mental wellness and they want their organizations, their employers to also be mindful as well. So there are things you can do like training your staff on how to recognize the signs of their mental health problems so that they know when they should reach out for help. Some big organizations and agencies, they have what's called EAP, Employee Assistance Programs, but small businesses may not. So this is something that you definitely have to be aware of so that you can engage it when it happens. We gotta create a culture around mental illness so that people feel safe, that there's no stigma, and that people know that they have job safety if they're enduring a mental health problem.
we don't want people not to reach out for help. We want them to come to us for help and to talk to us when they're struggling or when things are not going well in their homes. We got to look at the whole person and that whole person. My other model besides brain love has been all the pieces to the puzzle. So that's the physical wellness, the mental wellness, the spiritual wellness, all of those things. So the mind is not any different and it's the most impactful because it controls everything that we do, how we walk, how we talk, what we say, how we feel. We got to challenge those misconceptions that someone who has a mental health problem is a weirdo or um, don't talk to him because he's, you know, quote, crazy, close quote. And we have to, that being said, have to be very mindful of the way that we use our language. We have to be respectful and not use labels like that, like the crazy and the unstable. And we have to offer each other support. You may hear me say on other platforms, love, 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 love. Just being nice to people and respectful and courteous and loving them um, and showing reciprocity for certain things. So you wanna have a, create a safe space for your employees so that they can express their confusion, their misunderstandings. When people are confused, when they don't understand, that can um, lead to anxiety, to uneasiness, to restlessness, and it can cause other problems from there. It's a vicious cycle. You have to give your team the opportunity to ask questions, to have clarification, um, and you want them to feel comfortable about mental health. Now, we don't have to go through this entire slide. I'm just showing you some of what um, could challenge a person in your workplace or even you as a manager, as a supervisor, as a business owner, right? So we have work and life stress. We may have issues with sleeping and hygiene. Um, there may be problems with uh, nutrition for the brain. A lot of people don't drink enough water every day. A lot of people don't eat healthy. And so what we're, what we're eating, not only does it impact us physically, but it also has an impact on our brain. Look at you getting your water, Eric. Let me get mine too. <laughs> Cheers. So that's 64 ounces or more. You don't got to stop at 64 ounces. Your brain needs to be hydrated. Our brain is composed mostly of water, 70% at least of water. You got to hydrate your brain to feel better, your process quicker, you know, things that have, you'll be able to retain information, remember things, you'll feel differently. Sometimes if I get sluggish throughout the day, I'm like, oh, I need some more energy so I can get through this. You know, I'm not reaching for Red Bull. I'm not making another cup of coffee. My coffee is in the morning. Instead, I get some water and I just refresh, I hydrate and you'll feel better. Um, there's the concerns about anxiety, nervousness. Some people have panic attacks at work. You know, that's a real thing. You're having a panic attack and it feels like for a lot of people, a heart attack, you're calling 911. The work uh, flow is disrupted. The ambulance is there hour, two hours, you know, during their assessment, taking some, someone away. So these are real considerations, sadness, depression. Personality disorders are a huge one. Oh my gosh, because if you have someone who's on your team who has a personality disorder, they can split your team in a way that no one gets along, that no one likes one another, that there's a lot of negative energy. We should just have a separate uh, discussion about personality disorders. Narcissists and people who have borderline personality disorder, they are a freaking cancer for your team and can be very disruptive. So when I interview potential people to come and work at DRT Behavioral Services, I'm always looking to see, okay, 
what's their energy like? How do they make me feel? Do they make me get this? Because a lot of times when people have personality disorders, you just feel like you don't want to be around them. They make you sick, literally. So that's a consideration too. Communication is big. You got to talk to your staff about communicating, sharing what they're thinking, if they're um, feeling challenged to share that with you. Communication means also telling them they're doing a good job. Hey, I like the way that you did that. Or, hey, I like that recommendation you made. Or, hey, I like that, that plan you made for such and such. Because everything can't come from you as the business owner and as the, the manager. You want to have a team behind you who's just as powerful as you, right? Someone should be able to look at your entire team and not tell who is, who's, who's managing or supervising or who's leading that team because you've developed those people to be just that good. You don't want to be the only competent person on your team. Conflict resolution. Why, you, you shook your head. Say that again, Eric. I said absolutely not. I mean, that's why you hire people. You hire people to do, do the work that has to be done as a team. I mean, we, you come together, you figure out the game plan, and you give people the power to go do their job. You know, that's one thing. My team will tell you, I'm not a micromanager. There it is. You know, micromanagement, you know, there are there are micromanagers and that's the way they, they, they work. But, you know, my style is definitely not micromanaging. It's a, a empowering people to do their job. Mm, yes, sir. That's my president. Go boss man. Yeah. <laughs> Empowerment is important. That is important. Um, so the whole conflict resolution, how do you guys resolve issues when there's a problem on the team? You know, how do we just work on it and then keep it moving and go on to the next thing. Um, and so the, I, I won't go too much into these other categories, but I want to say this PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder is undiagnosed in the black community. Um, and so what we have seen recently with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, that is those things, those types of things, but also the black on black crime and the killings in some of our neighborhoods, a lot of that stuff, um, those are factors and why we have developed post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and just have not, and haven't been diagnosed. Also, we have a higher um, amount of domestic violence and sexual molestation and abuse in our children. So those are the things you have to be aware of when you have people working for you and with you. There's a whole background that comes with a person. All righty, so... And I would say even the whole thing of um, just getting to work. I mean, you, you, you talk about, you know, in our communities, a lot of people don't have transportation. Um, how are, you know, and just look at the rain. We've had rain for the last, what, five, six, seven days. You got to go out there um, for those. And a lot, of, a lot of our employees, a lot of our essential because either they work in a, in, a, in, a, in a grocery store or a business that's essential, um, whether they're nurses, whether they're uh, working in, in housekeeping. Um, you know, a lot of businesses now are out there providing services to open up businesses. So mm -hmm. uh, just the whole process of getting to work, it, it can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Right. So uh, right now, um, Dr. Thomas has dropped quite a bit. Um, this is actually one of the few, probably the, the first time that uh, someone has done a presentation so well that most people are speechless. I haven't received any com comments about questions. Everyone just taking in that information. 
because it's, it's so needed and powerful. And a lot of us don't even want to interrupt the flow that you were just in, in terms of really sharing um, the challenges that are facing our community and what we can do to actually address it. So I want to make sure I give the opportunity for those that are on Zoom and on Facebook to at, take the time now to, to, to write in your comments, write your questions, um, so we can have a conversation with Dr. Thomas while she's here and available. She is a, 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 a recognized in South Florida for her expertise in behavioral sciences, especially with our community. Um, so this is a time for us, us to engage. And I just want to start it, start it off um, because as you mentioned, um, a lot of our mental stability comes from what happens before we get to work. Mm -hmm. um, and lately, uh, many of us have been waking up to news or going to sleep to news about uh, police brutality and killings, and it's been triggers. And I've been seeing quite a bit on my timeline of people saying, I don't want to watch the video. I don't want to... Um, uh, think about this. I'm taking a break from social media, um, and many people just not not wanting to engage. And others are saying, "I'm tired. I'm I'm done, and I'm triggered." Um, what advice do you give people um, who? It's like this balance between, yeah, I want to, I want to care, but I don't want it to mess up my life. Like, how do you? How how, not, how do not you mental state? I don't want to mess up my mental state. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, uh, Mayor, that's a very good question. And it's a challenging one because often I have to dig deep. And I have to, I, I'm a mother of a 24-year-old black male. And, um, and I'm afraid, I've been afraid for my son, you know, especially when he was in high school and he got a license and he could drive and um, you know, every day he's out there, I, I would think, oh my goodness, please, Lord, just cover him. I would pray, don't let anything ha happen to him. The thing is this, we know that these unexpected things can occur, and we know that these white supremacists are out here, and these racists are, are out here, and that, um, and that we have targets. I mean, as a Black person in, in, in America, we have targets on our backs. Um, black men, maybe even more so. And that's the thing that you have to allow to empower you. That's the thing that you have to use to motivate you. And so just like with anything, when there um, are, when there's devastation and when there's um, a lot of negative um, reports about certain themes or about, or about things that can sadden you or upset you, you have to listen to yourself, right? So maybe it won't have as much of an effect on you if you read it in verbiage, if you read it in the paper about what happened as opposed to watching a video. You have to know your own limitations. You have to know how much you can take and how much you can't take and listen to yourself. It's okay not to watch the video. That's all right. I didn't watch the video of Ahmaud Arbery for a few days. I just, I, I just did not want to watch it. And I'm a mental health professional, but I'm still a person. I'm a human being. I'm Black. My parents are from Mississippi. So these things stir up a lot inside of me emotionally. It saddens me. Uh, the situation with George Floyd, just watching that man on top of him with his hand in his pocket to apply more pressure with that knee. Those things will just challenge your every ability to remain in control and stay in control. But that's what we have to use to motivate us to 
stand together, to get united, to create a plan so that we can do something about this, so that America can know that we are a united front and we're not going to just stand by and allow these things to occur. So the answer to your question is this, know your limits. If, if you feel like you can't deal, then don't. If you've seen enough visually, then maybe catch up on the news by reading about it or allowing someone who you know will share facts and information with you um, correctly, allow them to just kind of tell you the gist of what was happening. So we have to limit our exposure to these traumatizing type things. And I tell people all the time, PTSD can happen to you, post-traumatic stress disorder, not because you were actually the victim or you were there. It can happen just by watching what's on television, what's on the news. A lot of people develop PTSD from 9-11. A lot of Black Americans have PTSD from watching the news and seeing these things happen to the Sandra Blands, the Eric Garners, Trayvon Martin, you know, and, and may not even be the situation itself that makes you uneasy and, and causes you anxiety. It may be the result, the, the, the result of what happened, the people not being arrested, not going to jail, you know, the cases um, not being remedied correctly, justice not being served. So we actually have two questions um, that are very closely aligned. Um, uh, one from Valerie Coffer, another one from Beverly James. Um, and they say, uh, Valerie says, uh, can can I share some ways we can support people who may need mental health therapy, yet are feeling, uh, or feel seeking therapy will make them believe that people think they're crazy? Um, and uh, as Beverly said, a similar question, like what advice can you give someone who refuses to talk to, uh, talk about mental health issues um, because they don't want people to think they're weak? Yeah. So, and that's why we're, we're doing this today. Prevention is key. Education is key, really. So people will feel more comfortable. The ones who don't feel comfortable is because we've created the stigma in our country. And we've also created um, a stigma that's worse in the Black community. So by so many of us um, just coming forward and advocating and other mental health professionals saying it's okay, and I also went to therapy and these types of things, and folks who have a platform like Waka Flocka, who on Memorial Day, he um, tweeted, I'm dedicating my life to suicide prevention and, um, and mental wellness. So the way that we make people feel comfortable is we normalize it, we talk about it, because it is normal. We're all on a spectrum of mental health concerns and problems, whether it has something to do with how you engage people, how you interact with people, your personality, um, the temporary emotions that you might feel when things happen to you, you may not develop a very specific form of depression, but we've all, we've all have had anxiety, anxiety before performing, anxiety before asking someone out on a date, or so there's a spectrum of things that happen, relationship problems, you know, bereavement and grief, those are considered mental health problems. So the way that we help them is that um, if you're saying, okay, this is your staff, you let them know from day one. And I, I encourage staff meetings and help huddles and team meetings so that people can have an ongoing dialogue and that's where you can put out there hey guys it's okay if you're having any mental health concern come to me in private let me know if you need us we're there for you or have people come in and speak to your staff about what does depression look like what does anxiety look like because then people are educated and the more they hear it the more they receive it the more they feel comfortable and asking for help or privately going to get help mm -hmm. So 
Um, another question uh, uh, Richard Thomas put in, what can people do to feel better during these times? And I would like to add on, um, because some of us, uh, we got to work, we got to deal with kids, and sometimes things trigger us. Um, and we can get affected. And we got to get ourselves right to deal with our family got to deal with work. What do we do during those times in which it's all coming down, but you can't show it at that moment? Um, how do you feel better and get yourself right during those times? Affirmations are everything. So <laughs> I tell myself when it's coming down, I am that boss. I'm that person. I'm going to get this done. You reaffirm it for yourself. That's number one. The mind is powerful. Psychologically, you convince yourself, you let yourself know, girl, you did this before. What you talking about? Go ahead, get this done. So you start out by reaffirming for yourself that this is why I'm here today because I've done everything correctly. I know what I'm doing. I can do this. Yes, this may be a little challenging, but I will figure this out just like I've done everything else. And so, you know, we haven't talked about that part of the presentation yet. What are some of the recommendations? I said there's some basic ones and then there are some specific ones. So um, as far as feeling better during these times, you got to remain hopeful. Hope is very powerful. Remaining hopeful and believing that things will get better and things will change. You have to do that because what's the alternative? Telling yourself that, oh my God, this this, this, this is going to blow up. This is just going to be the worst thing ever. It feels better to tell yourself positive things and good things and great things in comparison to telling yourself negative things all the time. Um, the other thing to help you in feeling better or to manage is to keep a schedule, have structure, be organized. Those three things are pretty, pretty powerful. That's how I've always managed my life is to have some structure, to be organized, to always have a schedule, those sorts of things, and have limitations. If you know that, you you're busy doing ABC, don't take a phone call during that time. You know, send it to voicemail, set some limitations so that way you're um, remaining organized, you don't have yourself scattered all over the place. Um, and then also with COVID-19, you got to expect the unexpected. And whenever you got to expect the unexpected, not just COVID-19. So we have to do things like what I call coping ahead. You have to plan ahead for things. You got to have a plan B. You got to have recourse. You have to have other options in case things don't go the way that you're uh, planning for them to go. That structure and that control are very important. You know, Doc, Eric, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of us, uh, a lot of people are on Facebook. A lot of people are zooming in and, and, and probably everybody here is probably used to just being busy, always doing something. And right now, because of COVID, uh, a lot of us are, are working from home. Um, a lot of us are doing things differently. But even before then, um, we felt that we had to be there. We had to be engaged. And, and I think that's one of the things is knowing when to say no. Yes. You know? Hey, knowing when I got to sit my behind on the couch and just chill, listen to some music, uh, go out in the yard, pull some weeds or make a garden like you did, garden. make a pond like you did. Yeah, make a garden, you know, work on building a pond or whatever it is that you do mm -hmm. other than what that daily go to work routine is. And then we have a lot of people who are retired that are dealing with COVID. And then, you know, the one thing we were, you were talking about earlier 
about the challenges that people have, and I'm not trying to be uh, 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 smart or snide at this, but here you are at home, and we've been told to stay home, and we talk about relationships. Some people are stuck at home with somebody they don't want to be stuck at home with. Talk about that. <laughs> you, you really want me to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some folks in trouble out here. <laughs> I'm not trying to get folks in trouble. I'm trying to get folks some help and how to deal with that, that, that issue or uh, concern. Well, you know, so some relationships will grow and some will go. And, um, and so it's one of those things where it's forcing you to engage the real issues in your relationship. So meaning if you had these issues before and you guys would never see one another because you would come in, she would leave or, you know, vice versa. Now, hopefully people are being mature adults about it and they're having a conversation. And maybe now people are, um, I don't want to say mustering their courage, but it does take courage to walk away from a relationship. It takes um, having that belief in yourself that you'll be okay being alone leaving that relationship because oftentimes when people stay it's because of a level of comfort it's because of what people will say it's because of um, not wanting to start over um, some relationships were doomed from the beginning and so COVID-19 is one of these things where it's forcing some people to look at their relation their relationship and their lives and I tell people couples who come in and also for individual psychotherapy why would you want to stay with someone for the rest of your life and you don't like them or for the rest of your life and they don't make you happy or for the rest of your life and you you don't like going home or once you get home it's like you guys don't even talk to each other you sleep in separate beds why why are you doing this and see people don't think about that why when you challenge them to process it and give you a, a verbal answer then that's kind of when they say to themselves they they chew on it they process and say yeah why why am i doing this life is too short we don't know what comes next after earth. Some of us have a strong belief about what comes next, but life is too short to stay in a relationship that, I almost curse, that sucks. <laughs> I'm gonna say that fudging sucks. That fudging sucks. Let's go to another point, um, talking about COVID. A lot of people are working from home now. Businesses are probably gonna pivot because they're going to realize that they don't need that space that they thought they needed because uh, to bring employees in. But some people are going to say, well, you know what? I don't want to go back to work no more. You know, I don't want to go back to doing what I was doing. Um, speak to those folks who are having that struggle uh, in terms of how do they move forward? So with, yeah, and, and we have some folks who have accessed our services because they have anxieties about going back to work. They don't want to go. Um, so we're helping them in individual uh, therapy sessions. Some of our therapists are meeting with these people virtually and talking to them about the process of going back to work. Um, and so it is, it, for some of them, it has to be a gradual progression, meaning um, they have to see that things are safe out there and that things are okay. And they need reassurance from the employers or from the company that they have the resources which are needed 
to sanitize and provide safety for their employees. So that's a big part of it. Some of the folks who don't want to go back, it's anxieties about, well, how safe am I when I go back to work? Are they going to uphold the rules for the people who may visit the business and force them to wear masks? So if you're a business owner and you're struggling with that because your employees don't want to come back, you got to provide them reassurance. You have to let them know. Uh, these are the materials or uh, the, the stock that we have on hand. This is what I'm ordering. This is what we'll do. This is how we'll carry out these tasks. These are the signs that we'll make so that people know they will not be allowed in here if they're not wearing a mask. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But then, Eric, if you're asking about the people who became comfortable with just being at home and not being in the office, um, well, it comes down to if your boss tells you you got to come back in and they're not allowing people to work from home, you got to shit or get off the pot. So if you want to work from home, it may mean that you got to find another job or find another employer, find a, a company that will allow you to work from home. People, and that's actually in one of my, it's in my section about specific recommendations from, for entrepreneurs. Sometimes people are so unhappy because they won't make a decision to either stay or go. If you're not happy, go, resign, quit, leave it. So for people who want to work from home and your boss or your company is not allowing it, then you may not be able to remain working for that company. You'll have to resign. Uh, Dr. Thomas, you're getting a lot of people uh, saying this is all great points. Philip Wells on Zoom says all great points. Richard Thomas says excellent content on Facebook. Uh, we're getting a lot of likes and loves. Uh, Kanasha. Uh, talks about you just so on point. You're preaching. Donna said you had a great presentation, very informative. Um, Amanda Bazil talked about affirmations are everything. Um, and a few they said, don't get her started on the relationships. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these are all good stuff. So, I actually have two questions uh, so far um, right now. Uh, one is from uh, Kareen Gentile, has been on many of our calls, and she was like, what do you do if uh, you feel that someone, no matter what their race, keeps blaming others for their problems due to their race? Um, they keep saying they can't go forward due to racism or discrimination. What, what do you do? Well, so what you do, I guess it depends on, on um, the capacity you serve in for that person. I don't know if she's speaking from the position of being that person's boss or that person's supervisor. Um, maybe that person is a friend. Maybe um, it's just someone that she knows. Um, the thing is this, you know, you can't, it, it's good to educate people and share ideas, but there's limits to that because unless the person is receptive, unless they're ready to receive um, and consider changing the way that they're thinking, there may not be anything you can do. That person may be stuck. That person may have to uh, basically just deal with limitations with things. And that person will probably have to come and see one of my therapists. Philip Wells is actually one of the therapists in the office. He's a, a coach. He's, also, he's a therapist. So seeing someone professionally is probably what that person needs in that scenario. Because there's that's the person whose glass is half empty instead of half full. So we have have to use specific techniques that lay people may not be privy to, to help advance that person in their thinking in the way that they see things. Mm, okay. Mozilla Brown asked, what advice can you give to family members who do not want to admit to mental illness, will not seek therapy and believe COVID is not real? 
So people who have mental illness that, I mean, that could be depression, anxiety, could be schizophrenia. Um, it could be dementia. We forget about dementia when we're talking um, about mental health problems at times. And so um, a, a huge population are elderly. Um, some of them have cognitive inabilities or, you know, they can't process things. They can't remember things and they can't process that COVID-19 has been deadly and it's real. Um, whatever the case may be, the only thing really that you can do is just continue to educate them in a loving way. Um, we can't force feed people, you know, you can't force them to learn information, can't force it down their throats, but you can just speak on it and just sort of lovingly and caringly just talk about it um, and, and give people reminders like, hey, you know, you got to wear your mask when you go out or, you know, um, be sure to wash your hands. So just give them those gentle reminders because in the end, people are going to do what people want to do. And when they have a mental health illness, they have, depending on how severe that illness is, they have limitations and how they process information. If they have schizophrenia or if they have psychosis, um, there's a huge limitation in that I've had uh, patients in the hospital who just, one lady was Baker Acted because she lived in the group home and she kept leaving. This was in the beginning of COVID. She kept leaving the group home and so they Baker Acted her. And let me tell you, the Baker Baker Act law does not support Baker acting a mentally ill patient because they won't adhere to the rules of COVID-19. They let her go. And they said if she infects other people, if she becomes infected, then that's what it is, basically, is how that came down. There's no, you cannot Baker Act or force someone to be locked away because they won't listen to um, or won't adhere to the rules or the regulations regarding COVID-19. So you're very limited in what you can do when someone has a mental health disturbance or they're not listening to the recommendations regarding COVID-19. Just about, focus on you. You have a lot of, and I don't know if this, just your perspective, I guess. You got a lot of conspiracy theories out there in terms of COVID-19, what's happening, uh, where it came from, uh, and then that, I guess that goes back to people not believing that it's real. Mm -hmm. So what, what has been your experience with that whole thought process? Um, so COVID-19, the most extreme thing I believe is um, some of my patients have had uh, exacerbation of psychosis. Um, so folks who already had some um, limited um, function because of having schizophrenia. So really quickly, schizophrenia is a disease where people really don't know reality from, they don't know what's real. Um, reality for them um, is based on their delusions and their beliefs that things are happening when they're not, or they hear things, see things that they don't. Their life is, is um, different from everyone else's because they're seeing it from a, another viewpoint due, their, due to their psychosis. So some of my patients have created a lot of theories and conspiracy about COVID-19 because of having that illness of psychosis or schizophrenia already. Um, it has caused some of them to be more paranoid and more afraid and not to sleep. Um, so that's one extreme. Um, and then there have been um, patients who didn't have any mental health problems, but because of COVID-19, they have become so afraid, so afraid of dying. So the experience has been more so that people who didn't have significant anxiety before or nervousness or sleeping problems, they have those things now. Because of the conspiracies that you're that you alluded to, Eric, um, it's, you know, the information 
enough put out there that we believe is factual, but then you have um, these other things, other fluff that you see on, on uh, certain sites or people tweeting or people um, placing on social media and you can't help but see that somebody posted something. So it's causing people to feel um, more afraid and more anxious. And that's where you have to limit the platforms that you go on. You have to limit um, what you read, what you watch, who you allow to talk to you. Um, some people I've already told them in my inbox on Facebook, look, don't send me this garbage. You know, this is unfounded. Stop sending this to people. And Facebook, I noticed, has been blocking things. Like when someone posts something or shares something that um, is, um, what do you call it, um, fake news or something, propaganda, you'll see right. that there's a block. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So moving so, forward. Moving forward. Go ahead. Yeah, moving forward. Um, Post-COVID-19. I don't know if there is a post-COVID-19 because, you know, until we find a, 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 a um, what do they call it? A, not a remedy, but a the uh, vaccination. vaccination the, yeah. Um, they're saying, you know, we're going to have this social distance. I know businesses are opening up in um, Dade County, opening up uh, last week. Um, certain municipalities, city of Miami opened up yesterday. I'm not sure about Miami Gardens in terms of their timeline, but um, we're starting to come, I guess, back out. And but it's still with limited exposure, um, still social distancing. Um, and then you see mm -hmm. these pictures online of people just kind of ignoring it. Um, going out without masks, um, um, gatherings still of no more than 10 people. Eventually, I guess it'll come to gatherings of 50 people. And that probably will go through the end of the year before they open it up to more than 50 people. What are your, what have you been hearing and what is your uh, outlook for the next, through the end of the year, I guess? I think um, the rest of 20. 20 basically is a wrap. Uh, I know that's not clinical, but um, I think 2020 really is just, um, we'll just all be waiting patiently to kind of see what unfolds. Um, I think it's good to make a plan if you have a business to um, try to um, make some revenue um, to try to get your business going again and um, to try to be successful with that. But just always expect the unexpected. Um, I actually, if I would say intuitively, I believe, and I'm a hopeful type of person, you know, the glass is half full. So I believe, although people are saying July is going to be a spike, I think it won't be. I don't think we'll have a spike in July. I don't think September will be a problem. That's just what my intuition is telling me. It doesn't mean that I will disregard safety measures and precautions. I'll still proceed accordingly um, in protecting my staff and our environment and things like that. Um, but I think people should not dwell in, like you said, Eric, those conspiracy theories, the things that we don't know, the experts don't even know. We don't know if there's going to be a spike of any sort. Um, what we can do is just uh, maneuver and operate the best we can with what they're allowing us to, to do. Um, so let's see, it's June already. And um, phase three, I believe, is not until what, July, mid-July, something like that. 
um, like the lounges and the clubs. And um, so I don't know if there'll be concerts again during the summer or all that. I think most places and venues have just canceled everything for the summer. Um, and we're starting over with the fall. That's what it seems to be. Um, and so again, with being hopeful, I'm hoping that herd immunity is taking place, right? With this gradual progression back into society um, with viruses and um, infection and certain diseases, herd immunity can be developed. Um, and basically that comes about from people sort of being exposed, being exposed fully and maybe not not developing the illness and then, you know, so eventually the more you see the, the virus or the contagion, um, your system is able to get rid of it or uh, ward it off. So I'm hoping that we have herd immunity um, and that this, that, that this goes away. But in the process, people have to do certain things to maintain their mental wellness and their sanity. Um, you know, if it's okay, I can give the other basic recommendations um, that people can sort of try to live by and, and, and utilize so that way they stay calm and tranquil while we're going through this process of transitioning back. Oh, absolutely. And you, you, you just said something I never heard that terminology, herd immunity. Correct. Yep. So when we get off the call, if you don't have another Zoom, go on Google. Okay. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a very important concept. So I I'll, I'll type it in here too, just in, in case, but it's, a, it's an important concept. For survival, we, we have to have that because if it never existed before, there are many things that could have killed this entire planet. Absolutely. So a lot of our survive, being able to survive has been based on herd immunity. Okay, interesting. So Dr. Thomas, I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your morning to really give such an informative, powerful presentation that fits the needs of this community right now and at this moment. And I just want to thank you. Do you have any uh, last uh, final remarks or summary um, before we close out? Yes, because, um, you know, we highlighted, together we highlighted so many um, problems and areas of concern. And so I always like to leave people with solutions and recommendations so that way they're not just left with a problem. Um, mis misinformation is deadly. So I encourage everyone, um, just be careful what you're utilizing for information, where you're going for uh, your, your source of information, um, because it can really um, cause um, people just to feel so unsettled and restless that um, they can't function, you know, they're not sleeping, they're not able to do things properly. Um, the social distancing, the voluntary isolation and the quarantines have been challenging, but we can overcome these things just by sticking with the simple stuff, the things that we know are basic, um, the diet, the nutritious diet. Um, I'll be posting on my blog soon things that you can eat on a daily basis to, as we're getting back out here, to reduce the chance that you may become infected, right? Because there are certain things you can do to boost your immune system. You want to stay social. So these types of platforms, um, Eric, Mayor, the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce, you guys um, creating this session at four o'clock for people to come on and process, those things are important. So people should try to associate themselves 
with organizations and network and have support. So join the Miami-Dade Chamber of Commerce, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you have a business, you don't have a business, you know, still join and be a part of it because information sharing is important. The thing that leads to anxiety the most is the not knowing. When you know and you read and you have information, it's power. You gotta use your resources. Um, you want to, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, you want to recognize employee accomplishments. So if you, your business was still open during this period, be sure that you're, you're grateful. Tell your workers that, hey, I'm so glad that you're, you're still working and we're doing this, we're doing that. Uh, reward them, you know, buy them meals, buy them lunch. When you guys come back together, maybe have an award, like a little group huddle where you give out some sort of award, certificates or whatever. Let them know that they're appreciate it. And you also want to promote work and life balance. Make, you got to ensure your employees and your staff, your team know that that's important to you, that you know that they're trying to balance their work and their life. Um, you want to help them manage their workloads. Don't let people get overwhelmed with what they're doing. You may have to step in and help them create structure to create a schedule to prioritize. That's important. Um, and also help people access treatment. Help them Tell them how to get treatment if they seem to be struggling or if they admit to you that they're struggling. Now, these are the five specific things that people have to be aware of as entrepreneurs. Now, if this is just too overwhelming for you as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, I'm going to say something that many people don't want to hear. And this is not because of COVID-19, right? This is in general. Um, you should not just sit by and allow your business to close. You got to apply for whatever you can, try to get grants, try to get the loans, try to get whatever you can to stay open. But if it gets to the point where it's so overwhelming, it's so stressful, because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you will have early mornings, late nights, no days off. You got to be built. You have to be built for that and you got to be ready for it and you got to be able to embrace it. If you're not able to do that, then you may want to consider this is not for me. It's just like when someone is unhappy in a job or a position and it's, it's just ruining their mental health. We say to them, listen, the problem here is you don't like your job. You got to resign. There's no medication that can change that. So as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, if you're not ready for the late night, the long hours, you have to think about walking away and doing something different to protect your mental wellness. You got to know the warning signs of anxiety and depression. What does that look like for you, family members, for your employees also, when they're showing you signs that something's not right? Because some people show signs and we ignore it or we just turn a blind eye and then they come in and they shoot up the place as they have in the past. And we talked about that earlier. Use your networks for support. If you're a professional, belong to the professional organizations, belong to the chambers of commerce, belong to things like VPN. And you also want to inspire yourself and other people to have wellness habits. Eric, with that garden, you post about your garden, you post about your pond. Mayor, you talk about your fitness group that you do in the mornings or in the afternoon, I think, with your family and your community. So that's a way to inspire other people so that way they don't feel like they have to just, they have to be doing something that's work-related. There's a lot you can do that can help you relax. And there's something I call just sitting still. Sometimes you got to be comfortable with just sitting still. You don't always have to be involved in something. The last thing I'm going to say is a recommendation for entrepreneurs and anyone talk about mental wellness talk about mental health we have to and that's the way we normalize it so that way we can end the stigma and people people can feel more comfortable in seeking help and seeking care
Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Thomas. Uh, make sure y'all take time to follow her on Instagram, SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, Facebook. Information is there. If you have any, um, if you need uh, mental health strategies, she is the person to contact. So fall, call uh, 305-981-1700. Again, that's 305-981-1700. Um, Dr. Thomas also has a uh, weekly podcast that she does uh, on, on YouTube at 9 p.m. Uh, on Thursdays. Um, so there are so many opportunities to make sure that you connect um, and you engage. Well it's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, Every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's limitations limit your expectations of yourself ownership own your mistakes learn from them and move on vengeance is not yours it's the lord's express yourself every day meaningful communication don't go to bed angry and that's been my show guys brain love mm-hmm.